Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Catherine, do you remember your first session ever as an intern or in practicum or any of those settings? Oh, of course I do. I like, it was my first year of my doctoral program. I was mm, 21, I want to say. Yeah, 21, 22, 21. And I thought I knew, I thought I like prepared. I thought I was like ready to go. I get in there. No, I, I mean, I thought I had an idea what I was doing, but like nothing can prepare you for your first session. It was totally not what I expected. It was a doozy and I was completely lost the entire time, but I got through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's such a relatable feeling. Like, Do any of us go in? I mean, maybe some people go in feeling prepared. If you're one of those people, message us because I would love to hear about that I process. Mean, I, I went in feeling prepared. Well, I thought I was prepared. I just lost it all when I was in there. Yes, yes. Because nothing goes to plan, mm-hmm. right? Allie, how about you? Your yeah. first client ever? So I, um, my practicum was at a school and I remember like driving there and I parked and I was just sitting in my car and I was just having the thoughts of like, I literally don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know why they want me to come here. Like... I don't know how to do this. And I walked in and it was great staff. I had luckily the best placement ever um, and they were very supportive and encouraging and I had the most amazing supervisor who I still keep in touch with today. I love her. So Jen, you're the best. Um, But I still had that huge fear of just like, I don't know what to do. I don't don't know what to say. It's so real. Well, we're going to hear from Mickey today about her experience with her first client ever 
and it is quite the journey. Um, and we're also going to share kind of the same imposter syndrome thoughts or automatic thoughts that still come up with the three of us tenured therapists today that kind of started in our initial therapy sessions. Oh, yes. This is such an amazing episode, regardless of where you're at in your career. Please listen. Have some laughs with us. Don't feel so alone in this career that can feel very isolating sometimes. So this is for everybody. Yep. And this is just a friendly reminder that this episode is not a substitute for therapy itself, clinical consultation, or ethical guidance. All right. Well, this is episode number 44 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Hey, Mickey, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to hear from you today. But before we hear about your bad therapist moment or moments, <laughs> yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, my name is Mickey Atkins. Um, generally, I describe myself on the internet and like around as the the lady who yells about therapy a lot. Um, my <laughs> general goal is to just talk about therapy and mental health and mental illness. Um in a way that I think we ought to. So I share educational content. Um, I share a lot of like myth busting content. Um, and just generally my, my hope is to make people feel more comfortable, you know, sharing and talking and like being authentic about this. We love that so much. I feel like it's something we always talk about too, like how we can just be authentic, honor mm-hmm. our humanness, yeah. because even as therapists, we're still human. So mm-hmm. it, we echo that so much and we love it. Yeah. Um, and you do create incredible content. So Thank when you. we plug where people can find you at the end, I hope people do go find you because <laughs> we love your stuff. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. So tell us, what's the story that you're going to share that made you question if you were a bad therapist? Ooh, girl. <laughs> so this is a story that, like, before this podcast, you probably could not have waterboarded this information out of me. Um, but I'm going to share it with you today. <laughs> ah, in the I am excited. Oh, <laughs> it's just one of those moments when you think back on it as a clinician, and you're like, Jesus Christ, like, how did I ever, yeah. why did I ever... Um, <laughs> But I, I want to share the very first session that I ever conducted as a therapist at my internship um, in the hopes of making folks feel more normal about it, you know, because I remember feeling very alone and very isolated with it. Um, and now looking back on it, it's funny, you know, so we can talk about it and it's fun. So, yeah. And we have so many listeners who are students okay. and interns and okay. early career therapists in addition to seasoned therapists. But we mm-hmm. get a lot of feedback from those clinicians. So okay. this absolutely will reach, I think, the people that you hope it does. OK, awesome. Well, well this and- one is for y'all then. <laughs> <laughs> even like I've been in the field what 10 15 years at this point like mm-hmm. even I still remember my first my yes, very first absolutely. therapy session I remember mm-hmm. my first therapy session at all the different sites I've been at like these things <laughs> are ingrained into yes. our mind they are pivotal moments absolutely. and I cannot tell us about yours Mickey <laughs> okay so I um I think like a lot of people went straight through um my uh, bachelor's and, and master's program. And so when I started my master's internship, you know, I was like 21, 22, maybe. Um, and the program that I went to specifically was filled with folks who had a lot more experience than I did. So I remember already feeling kind of out of my depth. These are folks who had worked in case management or had just generally been in community mental health for a really long time. So I had my very first session scheduled um, and my supervisor was like prepping me and like, okay, like here's what you're going to do. You know, we've gone over all of your, your like paperwork and your checks and you're like, you know, sort of general 
here's how to do this, right? And so I was like, okay, I can do this. Like, I can do this. Um, and the morning of, I like pick out my best therapist outfit, right? And I, I go to my internship placement and I was the first one there because the session was at like 8 a.m., mind you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which I'm not a morning person. So I was already like doing my best. So I, I get into the room with this client and sit down with them and, you know, give like the general like, hi, my name's Mickey. I'm going to be your therapist, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I sat down with them and, and they give me like a general overview of like, okay, here's what I'm working with. Here are my problems. And I just felt like the life left my body. Like all of everything was gone. Yes. All of the prep, all of the, you know, biopsycho, (laughs) social, social, spiritual, all of my little, uh, you know, checks and like thing questions that you're supposed to ask new clients Mm -hmm. gone, just completely gone. And I remember sitting there staring at this person and you could tell they're nervous. You know, this is their first session with me. They've been told that I'm an intern. And so they're like, what's this? You know, (laughs) like, should I trust you? And I sat down with this person and and had this big plan about how I was going to tell them all these nice things. And it just like left my brain completely. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and I'm thinking. And it felt like a lifetime. Really, it was probably like three to five seconds. Um, and so I was like, well, OK, um, let me like tell you about me a little bit. Just so you like feel more comfortable. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, OK, I can do this. I can do this. And I'm like, OK, well, you're not supposed to share too much with your clients. Like that's a boundaries issue. Right. So don't do that, Mickey. Um, and I was like, well, what can I tell them? That's not like about my personal life. And so I just started talking about being a social worker. I just said, OK, well, you know, my my um, program is in social work and um <laughs> And I said, they got a full education on yes. what social work is, huh? <laughs> and I could see on their face that they were getting bored. Um, and so I was like, okay, liven it up, Mickey, like make a joke, say something funny. Like, let's just like bring this back to center. Right. And so I was like, oh, and I know that everyone thinks that social workers, social workers are going to take your kids away, but I promise like, that's not what I do. You know, like that's not, that's not what I'm here for. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. I it was like full mouth diarrhea. And this client looked at me and I could see the the color drain out of her face. Um, Like, are you going to take my kids away? Like, why would you say that? Like, I think maybe you're protesting too much. And so I just like I was like sweating and warm. And I think because I am definitely one of those people when I get nervous uh, that my face turns bright red. Um, and so I think I was probably sitting there just this like bright beet red, bloody or uh, bloodshot, like sweaty mess. Um, and I told this, this person, you know, I'm not going to take your kids away. Like, don't worry. Like, that's not what I do. <laughs> and they were horrified. Um, and so I was sitting there like, Oh God, we're like 10 minutes into the session, mind you. Oh, no. uh, and we've talked about nothing. We've <laughs> absolutely covered nothing clinical with this person um and so I just I went on this tangent about social work for probably another five or ten minutes um feeling just like so adrift and so lost and trying to say anything really so that there was just you know not dead silence in the room and eventually mercilessly or mercifully I uh you know shut myself up and said okay so tell me about you you know (laughs) like what brings you in today she you told her that you weren't taking her kids away before you even knew what brought her in? Correct. Yes. <laughs> and as it turns out, one of the primary concerns for this person was like uh, a feeling of inadequacy about their parenting because of their mental oh, illness. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. I remember thinking like, please, God, let the earth open up and take me now. Swallow I me. I to be swallowed whole into the center of the earth and never come back here. Please let this building, you know 
be struck by lightning or something. Oh my uh-huh. god. So, what I mean <laughs> I don't even know where to go from here. Yeah. Other than other than what did the rest of the session feel like? Like what was going through your head as your client was sharing about themselves? Were you mm-hmm. still focused on your own inadequacies? Oh, absolutely. And I was doing that thing. I think we've all been there where for three to five seconds, you're like focused in, like, don't think about it. You know, like that's not your yeah. job right now. It's not about you. Like just focus in on your client. Right. Um, and then three to five seconds later, you get those intrusive thoughts about like, maybe you're not supposed mm-hmm. to be a therapist. Maybe this is mm-hmm. not the calling for you. Like, this is proof. This is it. Like, mm-hmm. if you ever needed evidence, this is it. You should just call it here. Like, it, it can't get any better. Um, and so I was like oscillating back and forth and I would catch like little snippets um, and have to sort of like, you know, reflect back what I was hearing to make sure that I was like understanding what was going on because I was just barely tethered to this earthly experience. <laughs> I was so the reality. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was so sucked into this uh, self-criticism loop. But thankfully, eventually, um, I focused most of the the rest of the session on just like, you tell me stuff. Like, I think I have to mm-hmm. talk enough. You mm-hmm. tell me, you know, what are you looking for? What do you need? What's going on? Um, and as it turned out, thankfully, um, you know, our assignment, um, like department did a really good job in assigning an intern, a really easy client. Um, and so it was like a very basic, you know, all of the the nuts and bolts kind of clients that we're used to. That's like a very open and shut, like clear diagnosis, clear line of treatment. Um, and so thankfully we kind of righted our, our like wrecked train back on the wheels. Um, and, you know, just asked some basic questions about, you know, CBT and, and, you know, anxiety stuff and whatever. Um, and, managed to finish out the session with just like basic validation. I think at that point too, I was so overwhelmed and like lost for what to do. Cause I was like, this is not at all what I had envisioned what this session was going to look like. Um, and I think also we, we do this a lot with those early sessions or like, especially that first session, we tell ourselves it will be okay as long as you follow this format, right? Like we get trained on this like sort of general, mm-hmm. I say something, you say something, and then I reflect that back or I tell you this is what I'm hearing or maybe I'm noticing, right? And so as long as I follow this format, I'll be fine. I can make it through this. And then immediately I went off of the script (laughs) and threw that format out the window. So I was just like desperately trying to cling to any sense of normalcy. We just did some basic validation towards the end there. Um, And I think things landed okay. Um... I actually only ended up seeing that client three or five more times, I think, before they eventually just stopped showing up, um, as is the way <laughs> with community yeah. mental health, yeah. really. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think generally that first session, um, when I think back about, you know, my like goals and hopes and, and wants and dreams as a therapist, I don't think I checked any of those boxes. <laughs> that first session. But um, I guess the the silver lining of that, though, is that in the next couple of sessions, we did manage to build somewhat solid rapport, you know, um, despite me just mouth diarrheaing all over this person. They did come to develop some sense of of comfort um, or like safety with me, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think that that whole first session, I spent most of the time just being 
a sweaty, nervous, scared Mm -hmm. 21 year old little mess. But I feel like mm-hmm. it makes so much sense because I even remember like driving to the first day of my internship as well mm-hmm. or my practicum. And I remember I parked my car and I literally sat in my car and was like, I literally don't know how to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I graduated and got my first job and my first day of my first job as a therapist. Yeah. I literally had that same thought of like, I don't know how to be a therapist. Oh, like, yes. I don't know how to do it. What mm-hmm. do I like? You know, we learn theory, which is important and amazing. And we maybe do some role playing in school with our peers. And we all like Mm -hmm. joke about how terrible it is. And then I like woke up and was like, oh, wait, like I'm a therapist now Mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. (laughs) It happens. Mm -hmm. I can't help but reflect on for so many of us new therapists, that first session might be the first time we've sat in in that type of power differential Mm -hmm. or power Mm -hmm. dynamic where we are considered the situation implies that we are the expert and we're the one driving the session and we should know what we're doing and where we're going. Mm -hmm. And obviously that comes up throughout our lives leading up to this point. But this might be the first time where we're literally behind a closed door, just us in the driver's seat. And we might be sitting with someone who's our age, younger or even older than us looking to us for that guidance yes and it can be as much as we practice it and role play it it is a jarring experience for that yeah Mm -hmm. for that power dynamic to to be in so mickey given your first session what was it like in your head Mm -hmm. leading up to the second session with this client girl i came with notes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I came into the room. I literally, after that first, well, the other thing, there is like a whole story about what happened after this. Um, ah. Because of course I had to cop um, to all of my fellow interns and to my supervisor and like mm-hmm. tell them what I had said. Cause I was like, I can't sit with this alone. You know, I can't just Good. like, I you need should. guidance yeah. about this. Um, so that's a whole story. But the, the second session I literally went home after that that first one and I wrote up on Microsoft Word a little template of like don't fucking deviate from this <laughs> script it does not matter if it comes off as I did I was like I told myself because one of the things that I had told myself going into my internship is I don't want to be one of those therapists who like comes across as an intern right like I just want to have the sense of ease like it's totally fine I've done this before like you would never know and then you know I shit the bed immediately so I was like maybe that's not the right tactic so <laughs> I told myself when I went home it doesn't matter if it comes off like you're reading a script or you're like an intern because A, that's what you are. Um, and B, it's a whole lot better than whatever else that was that just happened. So I went home and I wrote up this template of like psychoeducation. Here are the interventions you might use. This is the theory you're drawing on. These are the presenting issues and like came back with it. And I think it was marginally better. Uh, they did still give me the blank stare of like, are you okay? <laughs> Why are you telling me about this? Or like, why are you explaining what CBT is? You know, and I was like, well, uh, anyways, <laughs> never mind. Let me talk about that's what I else. That's what I can offer you right now. Just, <laughs> just take it. Please just take it. Yeah. Um, and I think that what you were saying earlier about that, that power dynamic too, was like really setting in because I saw the fear in their face mm-hmm. when I said what I said. And I was like, oh, fuck. I obviously knew 
up to this point that like this is a, a situation a lot of people feel uncomfortable with because I had been to therapy, you know, um, but I, you know, because I was an intern, I didn't see myself that way. I was like, I'm not threatening, you know, I don't seem right. like a person who would lord power mm-hmm. over someone. And then I said the worst possible thing that you could ever say. And I was like, oh, no, uh, like this I can, I am that person to these people. You know, it doesn't matter how I see myself because these people feel, Mm -hmm. you know, and like in some ways I do Mm -hmm. have this power differential in the room. And so I need to be better about noticing what I'm saying and how it's coming off so that I'm not scaring people. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Are you looking to incorporate more creativity into your clinical practice, but don't know where to start? As a registered art therapist, I truly believe that every clinician can utilize creativity in what they do. I absolutely love offering consultation and supervision to share with clinicians how to ethically incorporate therapeutic art making into their clinical practice. I focus on easy and simple interventions with very little prep work for you and your clients. Visit www.cccs.care to learn more. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Our clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. Well, let's loop back to the show. I remember feeling like, who gave me this power? Take this power back. I should not be given this power. I don't know why you're giving me this power. Please, someone, someone take this back. (laughs) Right? Yes. Yeah. And Um, and I think that sometimes... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like I joke sometimes like um, with uh, like people I supervise or just mm-hmm. in general, like like we're saying, like I have this power. But like five minutes ago, I was Googling like how to do therapy or <laughs> like, you know, the days where you're like you need a new intervention or like you yes. have that huge imposter syndrome. And it's like mm-hmm. I've been doing this wrong my entire career. Yes. I need to get some new ideas. And we're the stuff that I Google like day to day. Who gave me this power? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have that moment at the end of every vacation, too. Um, Anytime I take a meaningful amount of time off, I come back to work and I convince myself before that first session, like, you're going to forget. You're going to forget how to be a therapist and you're going to log on to this call and be like, "Uh," and then, of course, that never happens. You know, you sit down and you just jump right back into it like nothing ever happened. But it really is a weird thing how the way that we see ourselves doesn't Mm -hmm. come across that way in therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, like our clients are still going to see us as the like authority figure, even though I hate mm-hmm. that, like I don't want to be mm-hmm. in charge. Um, but they they do see us that way, even if we don't really think that we carry ourselves that way. So it's it's been an adjustment. Yeah, even even in like I try and bring my I try and, you know, equalize the power differentials as much as possible. But you yes. can't not address it. You can't not acknowledge it. It mm-hmm. is there from the get go. Yes. Even if you get it to the point where your client just looks at you as a guide to mm-hmm. where therapy, there's still that power differential. Yes. Um, And not acknowledging it is is far worse than acknowledging it. Yeah. Um, And it, I guess I, I still remember like talking about it for years in mm-hmm. school, years talking about this power differential and what to do and how to handle it and what it might feel like. But mm-hmm. when you get in that room and you actually are in that seat, 
you can't prepare. Like you can talk no. about it as much as you want. You can role play it as much as you want. But when someone's looking at you saying, I'm hurting, help me, tell me what to do, help me. Yeah. Help me, tell me where to do or where to go or what mm-hmm. to, you know, that is like so powerful and it, it feels nothing can prepare you for that feeling. Yes. Yeah. And I remember having that moment too when they finally opened up to me about, you know, this is what's going on and these are the reasons that I came in today. Um, and me thinking, you know, okay, this person is older than I am. This person yeah. is a parent and I'm not. Um, this person has a lot more life experience than I do because again, I'm 21. Like the only real jobs that I had had up to that point were like working at Chipotle, um, working at a coffee shop. You know, I felt so woefully ill-equipped to be telling this person, here's how you deal with this mental illness or here's how you become a better parent. Cause I'm like, I don't fucking know, you know, like I don't, I don't know. Why I'm, to tell yeah. Them? I'm scared of my own nephews. Like, I don't know how to tell you how to parent. And it was such a weird shift for me in realizing that like in in this room, in this space, the work that you've been doing in your education and all of this like experience and stuff, it has to matter. It has to add up to something. Um, and I think even now, that's why I'm so militant about CEUs and like mm-hmm. conferences and stuff like that, because I don't want to feel that way ever again. I'm not going to be this person who like shows up and is like, I'll just wing it. It'll be fine. You know, like that, um, first of all, clearly did not work for me, but second of all, um, you know, it, it was like such a, a shock to realize that it doesn't matter if you don't have this lived experience or not, like this education and this training that you have has to help you. And so you need to take it seriously. You need to like actually immerse yourself in the core material, you know, because it's also so different than what we learn in college. I actually saw um, a mutual on Instagram post something this morning about like, let's talk about those role plays that we had to do in college. Do we think that they actually helped? Um, And I was like, no, you know, I don't think that they did. Because we as students would all do the thing where we we threw each other this bone of like, I'll just give you the softball response that we, you know, this is what I would hope a client would say. We Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm receive. Yeah. And so I wouldn't want to embarrass you in front of our class. I'm not going to say something weird. So I'll just give you the easy response, you know, and we all kind of did that for each other. And then you get in the room with someone who tells you something and you're like, I've never heard that before. (laughs) I wasn't anticipating that response. So I don't really know how to do that, you know, but yeah, I'm thankful. So, so thankful that that first session also wasn't video recorded because I think I'll forever relive that in my mind, <laughs> but I, I think really I wish it was <laughs> no, it oh really God. great. <laughs> no. Cut no. to a clip of Mickey talking about social work. <laughs> <laughs> and this poor person is just looking at me like, I don't know what social work is and I don't care. Oh, and now you're yeah. scaring yeah. me because you're talking. About taking my kids away. Oh, oh gosh. yeah, it's such a tricky balance because psychoeducation mm-hmm. does have its places. But I, sometimes yeah. I feel like even now as a therapist, like if I'm introducing like a new um, topic or concept, and I'll start mm-hmm. to go into it, and I see their eyes glaze, and like now I feel like mm-hmm. I'm comfortable enough in my career where I'm like, I'm just gonna actually stop myself because I you know, what do you need right now? Like, is this yes. boring you? Like, do you want me to email you this instead? Like, whatever it is, and like address that yeah. um, and bring in some humor when it's appropriate. But even still today, I find myself sometimes being like, shut up, stop <laughs> talking. Why are you speaking yes. so much? <laughs> yeah. And I think the other thing that I took away from that experience is just learning how to really go meta with that. And when you do see their eyes gla- glaze over to be like, 
you know what? Like I can see that I'm doing the thing that I, I probably do this to all the people in my personal life too. I'm just talking a bunch. So like, I'm going to stop that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let you talk some more. Um, and I also, and yeah, I do let my clients know too, that I am like a chatty Kathy, you know, I will for sure talk too much. And so if I bother you or I am talking too much to you, please just say like, Hey, Hey, shut up. Stop that. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to talk anymore. Like I have stuff to say and that's totally fine. You know, I think it's just helpful um, for me at least to just be honest that like I'm noticing that I'm doing the thing again. So I'm going to stop that. I mm-hmm. am not a perfect person and and it's OK for me to just tell my clients like, ooh, that wasn't good. <laughs> and so we're just going to we're going to stop doing that and we're going to move on. Model flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I can relate to the even today when clients come in and I'm meeting them for the first time and their distress is really really like they're very mm-hmm. distressed they are mm-hmm. in a lot of emotional pain yeah. and they come in and they share that with me and they look at me with hope I freak out sometimes mm-hmm. in my head my gut reaction is oh shit why are they looking to me mm-hmm. like who who why why are they looking at me yes. for help I can't handle this I don't know what to do like that's always my first response when the mm-hmm. distress is really high yeah. I doubt um and it feels very similar to even when the distress was really low as a new therapist I equally felt that yes. but I still get flashbacks of that oh wait where's the therapist oh wait that's me <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. So I definitely it's quicker and it fades quicker. And I, I have my go to, you know, curiosity and questions. Yes. And I eventually get my footing a lot quicker than I did in my early years. But th- yeah. that that's still there. Like me, really? You're looking to me for help? Mm-hmm. Yes. Especially in those early years, I found myself thinking a lot like, wow, that's something you should unpack with a therapist. And then <laughs> sharply coming to the realization that like, oh, that's me. That's my job in yes, this room. We have shared, we have literally said that exact same word, like phrase, joking mm-hmm. on this podcast before of like, and I feel like sometimes I've joked with my clients again now, like later in my career, I'm like, oh, you should really see a therapist for that. And like, we can laugh and then process it <laughs> yes. um, in a healthy and positive way, even though that sounds terrible coming out of my mouth. I promise mm-hmm. it's in a good humorous way, yeah. but it really is like, oh, this is the place and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the therapist mm-hmm. and we're going to do this. Yes. And our self-doubts don't, ne- don't they're not correlated with our abilities, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's completely natural to have these automatic thoughts, obviously, mm-hmm. pop into our head, yeah. even as established tenured therapists. But, you know, we learn how to manage them, just like we're helping our clients manage their automatic thoughts mm-hmm. and recognize their thoughts aren't tied to their abilities either. Yeah, I think so too. And I think for me, like I, again, over the years have just kind of come into sitting with that and like really being honest about that. Um, not about (laughs) feeling like I'm not a therapist, but, um, at least not in the moment, but, and just being honest that like, you know, I don't think I have a great answer to that. Or like, I don't know that there is a perfect solution to that. Um, Mm -hmm. and so maybe our work right now is just to give you space to feel how you feel about it and to like really explore, like, where's that showing up for you? What does that mean to you? You know, like, why is this relevant to you to talk about and how can we just make more space for that mm-hmm. um, and giving people, I think, especially like the the space and the freedom to kind of find it along the way, you know, because especially when I first started, I had this idea that at the end of every session, there had to be an epiphany. There had to be a yes. breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I wasn't facilitating that, if I wasn't reinventing the wheel at every session, 
clearly you must not be a very good clinician. And that's not true, you know? And when I think back about all of my really impactful sessions that I've had with my own therapist, it's usually the times where they're just asking me questions and saying like, why don't you just tell me more about that? Or like, why don't you just close your eyes and deep breathe and like have a good cry for a few minutes and then come back, open your eyes and tell me like what came up for you, you know? Um, it's an important thing for us to remember because I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like be amazing, be the superstar therapist. Holding space is an intervention. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that. holding well, silence like you, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. With the silence. And I was going to say, I feel like you kind of summarized it, but we always ask every guest, you know, if there is someone who's listening, whether it is someone going into their first session, yeah. a new therapist, or even a seasoned therapist, like mm-hmm. what advice would you give for those first sessions? Or if you <laughs> had that just like absolute word vomit, what advice would you give to them? I think the first advice that I would give people is to just embrace that you, as an intern, you're the intern and it's okay to be the intern. No one is expecting you to come off as like this seasoned, you know, been in the practice for 35, 40 years clinician. And so it's okay if the questions that you ask are kind of herky jerky or you're like, oh, hold on, let let me just double check something really quick. And you look at your notes for a second, you know? Um, I think we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves to come off as like, this isn't my first time, you know? I don't, I know mm-hmm. what I'm doing. <laughs> and like, you don't really. Like, that's why you're an intern. That's why your services are free. Um, and that's okay. So really just like give yourself that space to learn and to be new and to come off <laughs> that way um, because it's part of the process and we all go through it. Um, but also in just learning how to own that, like, you know, I said something and like, I don't agree with that. Or like, I just word vomited just then. Let me backtrack really quick because some of what I said was true. And some of what I said was like, actually not what I meant to say. Um, and I think just like the, I call it going meta, you know, just like really acknowledging that like that was. Transparency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think transparency for sure. I love it. Amazing. Well, such solid advice. Again, even, you know, if you're not, even if you're a seasoned clinician, it's such a good reminder. Yes. Um, And Mickey, where can our listeners find you if they want to connect off the podcast and take in your amazing content? Thank you. Um, So my handle on everything is Mickey Atkins LCSW. Um, You can find me on YouTube under just Mickey Atkins. Um, But Instagram, TikTok, those things. Although I am not on Twitter. I hate Twitter. I refuse to be on there. Interesting. Okay. Twitter's a cesspool, man. People it's on Twitter scare thing. me. It's like its own world. On, so I guess I don't know. Good for the you. The good or the bad. <laughs> Stay yeah. off there. It's scary. <laughs> Technically, we tweet our quotes, but it's literally only so I can screenshot the graphics so we can post it in- to yes. Instagram. So See? like, am I a bad therapist? Technically is on Twitter, but we do not do Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like, am I technically on, on Twitter? Do I have a handle on there? Yes. But have I logged in since like 2018? No. No, I have not. So, so everywhere else, Mickey Twitter. on Twitter. Let's bring that to Twitter. <laughs> Great. That that account's going to blow up now. Yep. <laughs> you guys can all look at my angry tweets from 2016 about the presidential election. <laughs> I mean, this, this, I might be going there soon. Well. That might be a gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment oh, for this Friday night. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Love uh, that for me. Oh, goodness. More well, Mickey, thank Mickey. you so much for sharing your story, sharing so many laughs yeah. with us. It's been amazing having you on. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it a lot. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. 
we pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists. Therapists.